0: Everybody, I'm Jessica Levinson, a professor at Loyola Law School and host of the Passing Judgment podcast, a podcast about politics, the law, a lot of things in between. I am joined today by the show's co-host and producer, Joe Armstrong. Joe, what things in between politics and law are we going to talk about today?
1: Jessica, we will talk about all three. We've got some breaking-ish news. This just broke yesterday. New York is about to have its first... Female governor. And why is that? Because Governor Andrew Cuomo, who is himself the son of a New York governor, announced yesterday that he is resigning. So, Jessica, this is the third episode in two weeks we have talked about Cuomo. So, can you please give us a quick summary of how this came to be? Why is he resigning?
0: Yes, so, so many things came to be. So, really, I think the straw that broke the camel's back to overuse that cliche is that there was a report by New York Attorney General Letitia James. It came out last week. It was an 168-page report. They interviewed 179 people. 11 women came forward with allegations of sexual harassment or retaliation for reporting sexual harassment. And so it really was these allegations, this thorough report, and then basically every elected Democrat in New York saying, we don't want anything to do with this guy anymore. We are all done with him. And of course, Republicans also saying it's time for him to go. And I just think he could not withstand it. And so uh, he did resign and he called a press conference. A lot of people thought he's going to be defiant in this press conference because his attorney had just been on TV being totally defiant. And um, instead he basically, I said this on TV, he basically had an it's not my fault sandwich, where he gets to the press conference, and he talks about how for reasons I think we'll talk about in a minute. Oh, I, I can't be blamed. But I have to step aside. But also, I can't be blamed. And I've done this all all these really amazing things. So Joe, to get back to your question, it was the report of sexual harassment and retaliation that these independent investigators found would actually violate state and federal laws.
1: All right, Jessica, somewhere in there you mentioned him being on the TV. I know that you yourself were on the TV giving your top-notch legal commentary right after that press conference yesterday. That was the presser during which he announced that he was resigning, which was immediately after his lawyer, Rita Glavin, gave a systematic rebuttal of each of the sexual harassment allegations by those 11 women. Can you give us some of your personal reactions about what you saw and heard?
0: Yeah, I think what's interesting in terms of what we've heard from the lawyers, from my perspective, it was a lot of complaints about the process or fairness. And if you listened really carefully, you could hear that, in fact, not all of the allegations here were rebutted by the lawyers. There was some, oh, we'll hear from Governor Cuomo later. You know, what did I think about him and his press conference, you know, as I said, it really, to me, read like an it's not my fault sandwich. And I, as I alluded to, you know, let's get into the details of that. So I think the press conference started with what, frankly, Joe is my least favorite defense to allegations of sexual harassment which is basically look the sands shifted from under me I'm just too old now I'm from a different era where it was okay to be friendly or look I'm just such a warm person I don't at a certain point he said that he never walks by state troopers and sure maybe he you know, touches them, but he has to acknowledge basically every other person. And, you know, maybe then there was the, it might be a cultural thing. Maybe he's just too Italian. In all of that, there was wrapped up no real apology. So I think he used words like, it's my responsibility and I should do better and I'm going to learn from that. But then, frankly, those words are totally undercut whenever somebody says, uh, oh, but, you know, things change, which was all a long way of saying, if you just understood that I'm from a different era, and I'm Italian, and I care about people, then you there wouldn't be such a fuss about this. So that was my reaction. And then of course, he ended with seemingly trying to write good headlines for himself or trying to write good PR for himself, where he said, and we did all these things. Together, And I don't know, I can't help but think he was still envisioning in the back of his head a political comeback. And we have seen weirder political comebacks for sure. Joe, did you watch? What did you think?
1: I did indeed watch, and it sounded to me like a Tell Greatest Hits collection of the Me Too era accused people, usually men, most exclusively men. He, I wrote down a few key quotes out of this thing, this whole thing that I watched. It was about 22-ish minutes long. He opened with, and this is, these are quotes here, Let's start New York tough, the truth. And then he continued to deny that he was guilty of those allegations against him. He said, quote, There was no credible factual basis in the report. I meant it to be endearing. I was joking. In my own mind, I've never crossed the line with anyone, but I didn't realize the extent to which the line has been redrawn and that there might be a humdinger of the line of the whole thing. He said things like, I take full responsibility for my actions. He said that more than once, whether or not that's true, I'm not so sure about that. He also said, you know, kind of deflecting the blame a little bit more, like you said, I believe that is politically motivated. And one other quote, the money shot quote, the best way I can help now is if I step aside and let government get back to governing. So he sounded measured and contrite but that may have been kind of an act. He did give a vote of confidence to his lieutenant governor, the incoming uh, new governor Kathy Hochul, who will, as you said, become New York's first female governor in 13 days' time. This promotion leaves a vacancy at the lieutenant governor's position, which will be filled by New York State Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, and that will make New York the only state with two women in the top two offices. Although, as a short aside, in Oregon there is no lieutenant governor, but the secretary of state is Shamia Fagan. So that kind of makes the two top offices be women there. But this will make New York the ninth state with a female governor currently. But the story, Jessica, doesn't quite end there. I know he's facing legal trouble for these sexual harassment allegations. Can Cuomo face impeachment still?
0: He can. Can we just pause for a moment? I mean, Joe, I'm really glad that you came with the statistics, as you always do come armed with statistics. It truly is. I mean, let's take a moment. Because of the situation, because of Governor Cuomo stepping down, nine out of 50 governors will be women. I mean, talk about a disparity in gender representation when it comes to the highest state office. And then this is the only governor, lieutenant governor, female, female team here. I mean, that is just really astonishing on so many levels and Joe I know we already have planned to talk more about problems with representation at every level of our government and that just really those statistics really bring it home again you asked me about impeachment and yes I mean Joe are you having deja vu all over again so the question can you be impeached even if you're not in office I feel like we talked about this very recently with respect to President Trump so The answer here is very similar, which is there's basically two things that an impeachment process can do. One is force you to leave office. And Governor Cuomo's already said, I'm leaving within two weeks, about two weeks. And the other is prevent somebody from running for office again. And that brings us to, you know, the way he ended his press conference with the we've done so much good together. We've accomplished so many things where one has to ask if he's kind of looking forwards to a comeback. And the answer is so you could go through an impeachment process. But I just don't think they're going to. I think it's moot at this point. He stepped down. He really doesn't have many friends in Albany, the state capital of New York. And I just don't think they're going to do this. And frankly, I think for at least the short and middle term, Governor Cuomo really does not have much of a political future. So if you did have an impeachment, as we talked about in a previous episode, the New York Assembly would vote by a simple majority. Then the New York Senate, except the leader of the New York Senate, who now is going to become the lieutenant governor, and New York's highest court, the Court of Appeals, would then hold a trial, and they would have to vote by two-thirds, just like on the federal level. I, you know, Again, I don't think we'll see that. I will say one other thing, which is, If you look at some of the allegations in this investigation and other allegations that I know we'll talk about in a minute, they really are, I think, very proper for an impeachment proceeding. Um, You know, a a shameless plug that I was quoted in The New Yorker um, yesterday in a piece by Ronan Farrow, where I said essentially the same thing, which is that impeachments are proceedings that you should undertake when we're talking about a, a quote unquote, public crime, something where maybe you or I could not commit that crime because we're not in a position of public trust, or we're not in an elected office. And if you look at a number of the allegations against Governor Cuomo, particularly the retaliation, and again, some of the other allegations beyond this complaint, I think many of them really would have been proper for impeachment. But Again, the punchline is I don't think we'll see impeachment proceedings because he resigned.
1: All right. So that ship is likely sailed. But what about criminal charges? I know there are some of those on the table. Does resigning change anything in terms of making those go away? I can't imagine that it does.
0: No. I mean, right. You're exactly right. So resigning really doesn't do anything to Um, change these criminal proceedings. And I do also think that's why in the press conference, we kept hearing him say, I didn't think I did anything wrong, really about trying to show I never formed the intent here that would be required to show that there was a crime. There has been a complaint. One of the women whose experiences uh, were detailed in the report has filed a complaint with the district attorney in Albany and um, they are looking into that complaint. I think at best, it would likely be a misdemeanor. If you look at the New York Penal Code, you know, not super easy to prove, but I'm not an expert in the New York Penal Code. And to your question, Joe, no, resigning does not change that calculus at all. The, the district attorney can still decide to go forward with criminal charges.
1: Alrighty, So no surprises there, Jessica. So what about the civil claims? What happens to the possible claims by the women whose experiences are detailed in the Attorney General's report?
0: Yeah, another great question. I mean, same thing, basically, which is resigning doesn't make those claims go away at all. And I think that we will see a number of these women uh, file suits in court for civil damages, for money damages, because that's basically... Um, the most likely avenue here to try and get a remedy. And the report said, look, we found that there were violations of state and federal law when it came to sexual harassment and retaliation. So I I absolutely think that in a future episode, we will be talking about those suits and how they are working their way through um, perhaps the state and federal systems.
1: All right, Jessica, but it's not just these sexual harassment allegations that Cuomo has been facing. Now, you alluded to this somewhere along the line. Let's remind our listeners some of those other allegations. Uh, There have been a number of troubling signs out of his administration. Cuomo has a reputation for stridency. Supporters would perhaps have seen this trait as a classic hard-nosed New York City attitude, but it does foment a reputation in the political sphere. As Cuomo has drawn negative attention for the numerous sexual harassment allegations, other traits have come more into focus, among them a vindictiveness against perceived enemies and other troubling behavior, like a 2014 call to the then-Obama White House, during which he tried to leverage his profile in the Democratic establishment to put some heat from above on Preet Bharara, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York at that time, in an attempt to stymie Bharara's investigation into the Moreland Commission. And if you don't know what that is— that's a group convened by Cuomo himself a year prior in order to investigate corruption in New York politics. And then there's this weirdness with the book deal. When Cuomo was asked about how he would address corruption in New York state politics at a debate in 2018, he said, quote, no outside income, period. Period. Double period there. But Cuomo inked a five-ish million dollar deal with Penguin Random House, that's a publisher, to write a memoir about his time as governor during the pandemic. And then let's not forget the nursing home scandal back in January of just this year. New York Attorney General Letitia James accused the Cuomo administration of undercounting COVID deaths in nursing homes by approximately 50%. Now, in my favorite TV show, The Wire, the best TV show ever, that is called juking the stats to make those statistics look more favorable. So, Jessica, is this political death by a thousand pricks? Might these be the real reasons behind his resignation rather than just the sexual assault allegations?
0: Yeah, I think the real reason is everything. I mean, and you did such a good job of laying out what, frankly, I think has not been made clear in every outlet, which is exactly what you said. It's not just the allegations of sexual harassment and retaliation. It's a whole host of other things dealing with public corruption and conflicts of interest. And so these allegations were not going away. And again, very, very appropriate to have an impeachment, at least inquiry when it comes to these questions of conflicts of interest and, um, and public corruption, because that's why we have the impeachment power. That's why we say under certain circumstances, we just can't wait for the next election. You just cannot continue to serve. So Joe, I think it was just everything. There just wasn't any politician who could have withstood this. And frankly, he stayed a lot longer than a lot of people who have faced many Uh, fewer allegations and of less seriousness so um he certainly has a a determination let's say Uh, do you have a sense of which one was the straw that broke the camel's back here
1: Jessica, I think the high-profile Me Too situation that has arisen in the last week or so was that final death knell. That was the toll of the bell that I think brought this down. The other sorts of things, these other allegations, the nursing home situation, the other ones just seem like, I hate to say it, but garden-variety corruption, the likes of which politicians endure on and on and on. From a personal level, watching him do this brought back memories of the Me Too movement, the heat of the Me Too movement with Al Franken and other high-profile people who got Me Tooed, And I think that's a reckoning that's in a long time coming. So I'm glad that these sorts of things are finally getting public recognition. I operate from the assumption that almost all women have endured some sort of harassment of some kind, even if they're microaggressions. So I think, Andrew Cuomo, we hardly knew ye. (laughs) Your ship has sailed, and I guess maybe it's book deals from here on out. So, Jessica, let's move on. We launched a new segment on Passing Judgment just a few episodes ago, a week or two ago. It's called, say it with me, Jessica, That's Not How It Works. That's
0: Not How It Works. You say it so much better than I do. Can can (laughs) we pull back the curtain and say, one of the things that we do when we record these episodes is we clap to make sure that you can find in the audio file exactly when we start. And you, you always say to me, let's start the clapping. And it's just like saying that's not how it works. I always feel like I'm half a second behind you. I don't clap quite the right way. And here's another moment for me to feel just slightly inadequate. But there's somebody who should feel far more inadequate than I should tonight. And that is Marjorie Taylor Green. So do you want to preview for us um, why she is now a repeat player in That's Not How It Works.
1: Jessica, there is no wrong way to clap. I would like to correct you on that. You clap any way your heart desires. Thank you. So, Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's making a repeat appearance on this segment. She was kicked off of Twitter for a week just earlier this week. This is not her first infraction. In fact, Jessica, it's not even her second time. So, can you tell the good people, our listeners, what happened this time around that got her booted from Twitter again?
0: Again, uh, so yes, this was basically just your um, typical misinformation from Representative Taylor Green, and this time she tweeted that the COVID nineteen vaccines are failing. This being very much um, in keeping with her typical strategy of trying to undermine trust in the vaccines, undermine basic um, health protocols. I believe that, um, she's worn a mask that says something like this is totally ineffective. This doesn't work when forced to wear a mask on the house floor. And so, um, Twitter decided that this was in fact against their policy and she will be off of the platform for a week, but we can all absolutely, um, Guarantee that she'll be back. I believe last time she was kicked off Twitter. That's when she held the press conference. I think giving rise to the first "That's not how it works" segment, where some a reporter said, um, "Representative Taylor Green, have you been vaccinated?" And she said, "Asking me that is a HIPAA violation. I don't have to answer." As all of our listeners know, merely asking that question is not, in fact, a HIPAA violation. If you prevented journalists from asking that question, it would very, very likely infringe on their First Amendment rights. And um, she does not need to answer that question. But HIPAA is much more narrow and really just covers what doctors, other healthcare providers and insurance companies can tell people about your, um, about your medical information. So, Joe, to button this up, the reason that she is making an appearance and That's Not How It Works is that not only has she said that the vaccines are failing when all evidence to the contrary, but she really has called into question this idea of whether or not we can mandate vaccines. And everybody... That's not how it works. We have a long history and a long tradition in our country of, in fact, acknowledging that we can require that you make a choice. If you want to work in a certain place or if you want to go to a certain place or attend a certain school, then you have a choice. You can either adhere to their vaccine mandate, if there is one, or you can opt out of that. Anybody who has recently been in a school in any state- in the country or has sent a child to school in any state in the country knows that there are vaccine mandates. And the only way to opt out of that is either to find yourself an applicable exemption, like a medical exemption or religious exemption, or to homeschool. But this is nothing new. In fact, it dates back to a 1905 case from the Supreme Court where they say very clearly, With respect to Massachusetts's law, where they mandated a smallpox vaccine, yep, that makes sense to us. That's okay. So um, we're going to be talking more, obviously, about vaccine mandates. But the bottom line is it is entirely permissible in most circumstances for the government to give you a choice. If you want to work for this employer, if you want to go to this school, if you want to walk into this place, then either show your vaccine or show yourself the door.
1: Right, Jessica. It seems to me that Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene is a walking example of that's not how it works. My guess is this will not be the last time she gets banned from Twitter, nor perhaps that she shows up on our segment. Say it with me. That's, that's not, not how, not it, how works. it works. Pretty good. Getting better at that. Okay, so before we go, Jessica, you mentioned to me when we were talking about making our episode today, you mentioned that your email inbox is currently filling up to the brim with some irate people. Can you tell everybody why that might be?
0: Well, so some listeners may know that I'm an opinion columnist for MSNBC, and I wrote a piece uh, yesterday, and they have fantastic headline writers at MSNBC, and they put it on their homepage with um, the headline, Marjorie Taylor Greene's mind-melting ignorance is fueling a fire against vaccine mandates. I laughed only because it's obviously a very strong headline. I don't disagree with it. Um, at all, but that would certainly account for um, the change in tenor in the emails that I have received recently. Um, and uh, I assume will it will continue to look this way for a number of days. And I totally get it that that comes with the territory. And I'm I'm just continually honored that I get to talk to people about these issues and write about these issues. And it If people disagree, I get it. Again, that comes with the territory.
1: Indeed it does, Jessica. And kudos to that headline writer for double alliteration there. And Jessica, if I might say if I've learned something in life that making the right people angry lets you know that you are doing the right thing. So keep at it. We love reading those columns from you and MSNBC and elsewhere. So that puts a button on this episode. You can find Jessica on Twitter and Instagram at LevinsonJessica. You can find me on the interwebs at Indepth Day and also at indepthday.com. You can find our podcast, Passing Judgment, on Twitter at Pass Judgment Pod. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. Thank you so much to Jessica Levinson. Thank you so much to our listeners. And we will catch you later this week.